Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome into Outkick the Show. I appreciate all of you. We have got an absolutely loaded program for you in every different direction you can possibly imagine. Right off the top, in honor of college football effectively being back, we have got Outkick shows for your, Outkick shirts, sorry, for your favorite teams, the cities that they are in, a football with an Outkick logo. It's something simple, but if you are looking for a way to rep Outkick this fall in your favorite college football town, it's easy to do. You can get a traditional shirt or you can get them in colors that you love. SEC is officially back this week. We got all the SEC colors, all everything set up. And uh, I guarantee you that you will enjoy uh, uh, the opportunities available to you there. Also want to say right off the top, I hope you followed my gambling picks this weekend. I gave out six gambling picks on Sunday morning. We went five and one, it's respect the picks season, boys and girls. Five and one against the number uh, for the start of respect the picks season. I will have my gambling picks for college football officially returning for like the 10th year in a row or whatever the heck it is. Uh, they will be up for VIP members on the Outkick message board tomorrow. They will be up for everyone else on Wednesday at noon. And so uh, I hope you guys are ready for gambling season to officially be underway. All right? I also want to tell you, go right now to fanduel.com slash clay. You get a free $1,000 credit to be able to gamble for college football or the NFL. Fanduel.com slash clay. That's my name, C-L-A-Y. And... Might as well go ahead and tell you right now as well. Go sign up for the OutKick VIP right now. Uh, You'll be glad that you did. You can support everything that we are doing on a day-to-day basis at OutKick. Again, FanDuel.com slash Clay. Go to OutKick and sign up for the VIP. At FanDuel, you get $1,000 free to gamble with. A lot to dive into. So let's dive right into uh, the NFL. And I want to start with... A homage, an apology. I am sorry that you have to live through this, Atlanta Falcon fans. The ball being kicked on that slow roll on the onside kick felt like a metaphor of everything that represents Atlanta Falcons football. There was plenty of time when your team could have grabbed the ball, fallen on it, before it went 10 yards, no one else could touch it before you, and the game would have been over. Instead, the Falcons watched that ball slowly roll all the way past 10 yards and allowed a Dallas Cowboy to immediately recover. It was, beyond a shadow of a doubt, a slow-motion train wreck that played out 
for all of us to see in, uh, unfortunately, abject horror if you were an Atlanta Falcons fan. Here's a stat for you. This is from the Elias Sports Bureau. In the history of the NFL, since they have been keeping stats going all the way back to 1933, there has never been a team in the NFL score 39 points with zero turnovers and lose prior to yesterday. Prior to yesterday's loss for the Atlanta Falcons, teams that score 39 points and have zero turnovers were 440 and 0. Let me repeat that. We literally witnessed history that has never occurred before. Teams that scored 39 points and posted zero turnovers prior to yesterday were 440 and 0. The Cowboys survived. The NFC East is awful. I don't even know that they had to win that game. I think 8-8 eight eight probably wins the NFC East. But Matt Ryan is one of those guys that you're going to look back on his career and you're going to say, my goodness, he's a Hall of Famer. But how much different would his career look if the Falcons had maintained that 28-3 lead against the Patriots and hadn't choked it away? It is overwhelming that his career would be looked at totally differently. Probably the same for Julio Jones. Certainly the same for Dan Quinn. Maybe the same for Kyle Shanahan. The NFC East is so bad. The Cowboys are going to win it, but they don't deserve a home game, even though they're going to get it. That was an unbelievable game to watch. So was what we saw Sunday night. Cam Newton and the Patriots going head-to-head with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. The Seahawks have finally taken the handcuffs off of Russell Wilson and he's probably going to be the MVP for the season, okay? He is flat flat out playing at a different level than anybody else. But Cam Newton couldn't have been any better. Coming into this season, I told you that I thought Cam had the highest ceiling and the lowest floor in the entirety of the NFL. I told you that if he played well, he'd get a $100 million contract. Somebody would give him the keys to the franchise. If he played poorly, he would be done. He played unbelievably well last night. 30, 44 pass attempts, 30 completions, nearly 400 yards rushing. It came down to the final play of the game. And the Patriots sold out with Cam on the run. Unbelievable tackle. They kept him out of the end zone. But I think if you're a Patriots fan, you take a step back out of that game and you say, hey, we should still be the AFC East favorites. And that's even with Josh Allen going off for 300 plus passing yards each of the last two games. That is, I believe, a sign that Bill Belichick's team, even with seven guys deciding not to play, even with Tom Brady moving on, they still are really impressive. And I would argue that what we saw last night from the Patriot offense was better than any performance really we saw from the Patriot offense last year. In other words, Cam Newton is taking the Patriots to a different level. The coaching is making him more of a pocket-passing quarterback. I'm not sure that he's going to keep running all season because I'm not sure he can keep up with it. But man, what an impressive and unbelievable game that was between the Seahawks and the Patriots. Chiefs Chargers. Anthony Lynn says Justin Herbert is not starting the rest of the season. I disagree with it completely. Justin Herbert made one bad decision all day. Rolling out, he had the first down if he had kept running. He looked back, tried to make a play, threw the ball into coverage. The Chiefs managed to get the win. I think the Chiefs now are going to become a lot like the Patriots in years past. The Chiefs know they're good. 
They know that come November and December, they can put the pedal to the metal. I think they're going to start slow in September and October and then slowly start to become more impressive. But what I saw from Justin Herbert was orders of magnitude better than I think anything you could have anticipated from him in his first ever start when he found out just a few minutes before the game that he was going to be starting. I thought that Justin Herbert was fantastic against the Super Bowl champs. He played phenomenally well. You take away one mistake and the Chargers find a way to win that game. By the way, Anthony Lynn can't punt. You can't punt and give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes in that scenario overtime, fourth and one. You got to go for it. Especially not when you got a kicker banging through 58-yard field goals and you know that, uh, that regardless they're going probably to make it if they get anywhere near the vicinity of a field goal. And once you get stopped, all they have to do is get a field goal to come back and win. They don't even have to get a touchdown. To me, punting there is effectively giving away the game. You can't do it in that scenario. Uh, So that stood out to me there. I'm not worried about the the Chiefs. I think they're going to be slow. They know they're good. I think they know they can beat anybody once the season actually gets rolling. May, May take them a little while to get back to normalcy. The Titans are 2-0. My Titans are 2-0 for the first time since 2008. Yes, both games have been won on a last uh, minute or so field goal, uh, but I love this offense. I love what we're starting to see from Arthur Smith. Uh, Everybody who was concerned about how Ryan Tannehill would play after they gave him big money, six touchdowns, no interceptions so far. Teams, it seems to me, are trying to sell out to stop Derrick Henry and that is leaving the passing game open, whether it is A.J. Brown, whether it is Corey uh, Davis, or whether it is Jonu Smith, who is coming to his own as a tight end. Uh, Also, I like the Adam Humphreys uh, mix in. There is a lot of talent on this Tennessee Titan offense, and as long as Ryan Tannehill can stay healthy, I think he's going to post some really impressive numbers here, reasons for optimism in a big way uh, when you actually think about this scenario going forward with the Titans. Titans are 2-0. I wanted to hit on the 2-0 teams that I think have been the best so far. There are 10, I believe it is, 2-0 teams. The five best teams, and I'll rank them tomorrow on my radio show, the five best teams in the NFL so far in no particular order are the Packers, the Rams, the Cardinals, the Ravens, and the Seahawks based on what I have seen. Let me repeat that. The Packers, the Rams, the Cardinals, the Ravens, and the Seahawks are the best teams in the NFL based on what I've seen. There are other 2-0 teams the Bills, the Titans, the Chiefs, uh, the Bears, and one other team that I'm forgetting right now that have been just okay, right? They could easily have lost the games that they've won. 2-0 and is a big deal because it means you have a 61.3% chance to go to the playoffs versus 0-2 having only a 12.6% chance for the playoffs. Uh, but those are the five that I've been most impressed by in no particular order. The Packers, the Rams, the Cardinals, the Ravens, and the Seahawks, okay? Speaking of the Cardinals, how about Kyler Murray? Remember when Cliff Kingsbury got hired and everybody was like, oh, he couldn't win at Texas Tech? And remember when Patrick Mahomes got drafted number 10 overall and everybody was like, oh, he couldn't win at Texas Tech? Yeah, maybe we should stop paying attention to wins and losses in college because Cliff Kingsbury is killing it. Kyler Murray is unbelievable. He is an electric factory to watch what he is capable of on every individual play. My wild prediction to begin the season was that the Arizona Cardinals find a way to win what I think is the best division in football, the NFC West. 
because we know the Seahawks are good. We know that the 49ers are good. We know that the Rams are pretty good. Those three teams right now, a combined five and one, if you add in the two games that have been played by the Arizona Cardinals, that division is seven and one. And so to me, Kyler Murray is must-watch football. And what he is doing right now with Cliff Kingsbury would have me thrilled if I am an Arizona Cardinal fan. I think they have been one of the five best teams in the NFL to start the season. Who have been the most disappointing? Uh, The most disappointing, I would say, so far are the three teams that made the playoffs and have since started the season 0-2. Minnesota Vikings, Philadelphia Eagles, and Houston Texans. And in particular, two of these teams, the Vikings and the Texans, I think are reaping what they sowed by deciding to trade away proven wide receivers. The Vikings moved on from Stephon Diggs, who went for 150-plus yesterday. Uh, and he is now 2-0 and with the Bills. The Texans, even worse, had a security blanket for the entirety of uh, their quarterback's debut, right? Ever since he got there, you've been able to rely on the fact that DeAndre Hopkins is going to make plays. And right now, the Cardinals are 2-0 and with DeAndre Hopkins. Every time Kyler Murray basically targets him, you are ending up with a big-time playmaker. And so I'm nervous if I'm the Texans. I'm worried about Bill O'Brien. I'm worried about the overall ability to stretch the field on that offensive side of the ball. I told you before the season started that I thought the tight, uh, the Texans were going to start 2-5 and five or 1-6. and six. They play the Steelers this weekend, and they have a chance to fall to 0-3. I would just be very, very nervous if I was thinking going forward about the Texans. And I think what you're seeing is DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs, we substantially underrated when it came to what those guys represented uh, in this scenario. Now, I think Deshaun Watson is very good, but I think, again, he's had that security blanket kind of over him for that entire time, and all of a sudden now, you're seeing that without being able to rely on DeAndre Hopkins, things change for Deshaun Watson. So those are the three biggest disappointments. The Eagles and Carson Wentz, they won me the week on Fox Bet Live, but man, they look awful along with the rest of the NFC East. Injuries. Injury's a major story. Here's what I would say in general. Nick Bosa out for the year. Saquon Barkley out for the year. Multiple weeks out for Christian McCaffrey. Multiple weeks out for Drew Locke, among many other people who were injured as well. What I would encourage you to do, however, is not push the panic button. Because I do think you have to compare six weeks of injuries counting four weeks of the preseason and the first two weeks of the NFL. Because remember, there's always guys who get injured in the preseason as well. And this year, we had very few injuries that took place in the preseason in training camp. And obviously, we didn't have the preseason games at all. It stinks to have major stars be injured and be out for the season. I do think it probably has something to do with the way practice went on and the way that players uh, develop, but I think it's too early to push the panic button and try to figure out exactly what is going on this season. I think we need to compare the overall injury rate to past seasons, including the four preseason games plus the first two weeks of the season. Uh, But injuries are beyond a shadow of a doubt a major issue, and, and, and honestly, it may be the teams that end up being able to stay the healthiest that are going to be the most in the running to win the Super Bowl, particularly at the quarterback position, because I would imagine there are going to be a lot of people that get hurt 
uh, going forward pretty substantially. Uh, all right, a couple of other stories that are out there. The Pac-12 made what I think is a disastrous decision. The hope is the Pac-12 is going to come back and play on Halloween on October 31st. But in the meantime, they furloughed or laid off half of all the Pac-12 conference employees. But before they furloughed and laid off all of those employees, 50% of them, all of the executives took major bonuses that could have allowed most of the employees to remain employed. All I got to say is this. Your boy, who is a capitalist, took a substantial voluntary pay cut in both television and radio to try to ensure that we didn't have to lay off anybody. I'm not saying for the Pac-12 to do anything different than what I did myself, take less money right now and get your money back down the road when all of the economic constraints of our country are starting to be undone. And this is a bad look for Larry Scott and top Pac-12 executives. Uh, In terms of the coronavirus, Florida hit a new case low going all the way back to June the 11th. Under 2,000 cases, I think it was right around 1,700 reported today, the lowest number since June the 11th. The outbreak is over in Florida. The outbreak is over in Arizona. The outbreak is over in Texas. It's time for everybody to be back to work, school, and to sports, all right? Period, across the board. Tomorrow, I'm putting my money where my mouth is on sports, and I am buying my season tickets for the Tennessee Titans to go to as many games as I can, beginning with week four, the second game of the season, going forward there. The SEC is back this week. Props to Greg Sankey for finding a way to so far have the best possible return plan of anybody in college football. Uh, The SEC is going to play, and I'm telling you, it doesn't feel like college football until the SEC is officially kicking off. And 13 of the 14 schools aren't just playing. They are going to have fans present everywhere except for Vanderbilt, which makes perfect sense for anybody who's been a longtime SEC fan. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died on Friday. Uh, I found out the news while I was at my six-year-old's party. Uh, It was a Minecraft birthday party. We had rented out a gym bunch of kids there. Everybody's running around having a great time. And I looked down at my phone and my phone is blowing up with people texting me. I don't think the timing on Ruth Bader Ginsburg is good at all. It just creates further tension and discord in this country. But I think Donald Trump needs to announce a woman replacement. Amy Coney Barrett is who I think it's going to be. Uh, And then I think they need to figure out whether they have the votes to move forward or not in the Senate. They can afford to lose three senators. Right now, I think two have said they're not going to vote in favor. So see what happens as you move forward. Make the announcement. To me, politically, and I'm taking a step back and looking at this from a nonpartisan basis, to me, politically, if the president nominates a woman to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I think it's hard. uh, I think it's a good look for him when it comes to suburban women. Uh, I think it's a good look for the Republican Party even if she's not officially confirmed before November 3rd. Now, the challenge becomes, if you don't confirm a new justice before November 3rd, then all things could be off, could be chaos. Because I think, I've been saying this for a while, I don't think we're going to have an election night in this country. We're going to have an election month. We're not going to know who won the uh, vote to be our next president 
until mid-December is my prediction. And I think when, when that's December 14th when the electors are actually ratified. And so I think this thing could play out forever. I think the entire month of November is going to be ongoing. And if there's an election crisis, which I think there could be in terms of knowing who's going to win, the Supreme Court might be called on to decide things like they did in 2000 in Bush v. Gore. And if that is going to happen, you have the possibility that a Supreme Court could be divided four to four if there isn't a new justice confirmed and seated and able to read and hear and make a decision on everything. So, my general belief, and this is whether it's a Democrat or whether it's a Republican, is it's better to see all of the open uh, justice seats, right? Whether it's a Fifth Circuit, Fourth Circuit, everything else. This is me putting on my lawyer hat. I don't like how political it has become, right? The fact that if a Democrat uh, says they're going to do something, a lot of Republicans immediately oppose it. Same thing for Republicans. I think the president, if he makes a decent choice, deserves the right to have uh, his Supreme Court justice seated. And I also think there's a big difference between what Mitch McConnell did in 2016 and 2020 if you actually look at the precedents, right? Precedents matter. The precedent that Mitch McConnell argued is if we have divided government, that is, the Democrats or the Republicans control one side and the Democrats, like in that situation, Barack Obama was the president and the Republicans controlled the Senate and they said basically we're not going to confirm, we're going to let the election decide it. But if both the Republicans control the White House and they control the Senate or vice versa, it's their job to advise and consent on the nominee for the Supreme Court. Uh, and if they can move forward, they should move forward. That's my early analysis. I actually think this benefits the Republicans because I think if the Democrats behave like they did in the Brett Kavanaugh case, then there is a decent chance that that will work to Donald Trump's favor and actually get him reelected. The challenge is you might still end up with a scenario where Trump gets elected but loses the Senate and then what do you do? How do you ever get anybody concerned, uh, confirmed in that universe either? Uh, I think there are a lot of interesting aspects associated with this. Finally, Jason Whitlock going at it with Katie Nolan. If you haven't gone and read his column, you can. Uh, Whitlock uh, wrote about Maria Taylor leaving Anthony Davis off the All-NBA team. Katie Nolan decided to fire a shot back at Whitlock and he responded with a neutron bomb uh, treating her like we treated Mike Florio before uh, in terms of not distinguishing if you come at us, we're probably going to come back with you uh, even more aggressively. You bring a two-by-four to a fight, we're bringing a bazooka. Uh, That's the benefit of owning your own media company and that's why Jason Whitlock came to work at OutKick. So he can say exactly what he thinks every single day. That's why I founded OutKick. So I can say exactly what I think every single day. And that's why we are rapidly growing. It's why we're going to have 15 million readers in the month of September based on the trend lines that we are on right now. Uh, We are just exploding in growth. I appreciate all of you for sharing our articles, for reading, for listening to OutKick, for watching these shows, subscribing to all our videos. I mean, we are on an unbelievable tear right now. 
and uh, and I don't see any reason why that's going to continue. So if you want someone's honest opinion, I'd encourage you to go sign up for the Outkick VIP. If you want to make some money, I'd encourage you to go to FanDuel.com backslash Clay and go make some money there as well. Uh, I appreciate all of you hanging out with us. I'll be on Lock It In wearing my white jacket, my Titans, the Hawaiian polo, and my crown because our gambling picks were so on fire over the weekend. Thank you for listening. VIPs be on the message board tomorrow. You will get my early gambling picks for college football. Everybody else, they'll go up on Wednesday. I love all of you. DBAP, unless you... Oh, this is interesting. Somebody just said, Clay doesn't understand that half of his viewers hate him. Clay doesn't... That's a Corona Bro voice. Clay doesn't understand that half of his viewers hate him. No, it's not about understanding. It's about not caring. You guys don't understand me very well if you think I care whether people like me or don't like me. I have zero concern. Let me make it clear. Zero concern about whether people like me or not. I'm a grown-ass man. I'm 41 years old. I don't care whether people on social media like me. I don't care whether strangers like me or not. I just, I'm a grown man. Why would I care? I'm comfortable in my own skin. If you like me, more power to you. If you hate me, tell as many people as you possibly can because guess what? Our audience is going to continue to skyrocket. We live in a 50-50 country. I guess it would be great to be liked by 100% of people, but you know what that would require? Never saying anything honest and never saying anything interesting. It would require a lot of crap, all right? And so, the truth of the matter is, being loved helps me. Being hated helps me. If you really, really want to stick it to me, be indifferent and go watch somebody else, go listen to somebody else, but guess what? The haters can't help it. They're making me richer every single day. Kisses from me to you. Grab it in the air. Put it in your mouth. Suck on it. Losers. My name is Clay Travis. DBAP unless you need to uh, unless you need to SBAP. We'll be back on, I'll be on television in just a little bit. Encourage you to listen to the radio show as well. I love all of you, especially the ones who hate me. You make me even more money than you can possibly imagine. For you. Kisses. See y'all.